Joining us now, you know him as Dave Rose, former BYU basketball coach. I like to refer to him as Michael Myers, the guy from Halloween. No matter how many times you try to kill Michael Myers, he came back to life. That's my guy, Dave Rose. Thanks, thanks, PK. That makes me feel really good. Pancreatic cancer? Nah. No problem. I can remember, you know, I know people down there. We're going back now. How many years? That's That's 10 years ago. Yeah, that's amazing. 10 years. And I heard, oh, man, there's something wrong with Coach Rose. He's got cancer. Oh, yeah, man, that's actually pancreatic. Oh, no, pancreatic cancer. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, man, he's going to be gone. Nah. Get out of my face. You just spit that out. No problem. Did you even miss a game? I know you missed some practices. Yeah, I didn't miss a game. You didn't miss a game. That's what I'm talking about for freaking 10 years, man. You didn't miss one game, and you're on a plane. There's all sorts of panic. I don't need to relive that for you, but it's just amazing, your toughness. And then here was a few months ago in the middle of the night, your wife is frantically rushing you to the hospital with a heart attack. Yes, and that turned out pretty good, too, because they actually put a couple stints in me, and I feel better now than I you know, have for the last couple of years. So Yeah, uh, you look awesome. That, so if, if you saw you, I mean, I'm obviously I'm looking at you. You wouldn't <laughs> think that there's anything wrong or there's been nothing yeah. wrong. You look great. You look relaxed. You look tan. Yeah, you look good. like somebody who doesn't have the stress of coaching. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth, especially at this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, what's it next? I mean, you're not a rose. You're 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 a, you're a feline. You got nine lives. I mean, what are you going to do? Like maybe go skydiving and have the parachute <laughs> malfunction? You're and, ride a bull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just take that and yeah. just continue to defy these odds, man. You can write a book. How to Beat Whatever by Dave Rose. <laughs> yeah, except how to beat UNLV and Gonzaga, St. No, Mary's. Yeah, but that, that's basketball. I'm talking life. All right. <laughs> so this is just a great time of year here as we get going. We were talking about it now. We had, to, we had Chris Burgess on a couple weeks back, and I'm interviewing him, and he said that we asked the guys to give us six weeks of basically nothing else. And, you know, you've been there a million times. Uh, is, that, is that what it requires? This, this time of year, I mean, we, we preach balance and, and moderation in all things, particularly at BYU. But it just seems like between now and whenever it, whenever it ends, it's nothing but that. You know, it's, it's just so, it's so fragile because it's, uh, it, happens, it just happens so quick. And, you know, if you've done it year after year after year, you, you understand it. These kids coming through, you try to explain it to them. And Chris has so much experience because he's, you know, done it as a player. And, you know, obviously Coach Pope, he's got a ton of experience. You know, they they won the national championship when he was at Kentucky. And so they, they know how special it is and they know how – um, how hard it is to do, and so they want everything from their guys. And this group of guys, they, they understand. It's an, a, it's an experienced team, and I think they'll realize how fortunate they are to be coaching such an experienced group uh, in a year or two when maybe they're coaching more underclassmen. But uh, right now with that group of guys, uh, I think this group is capable of playing for a couple weekends. Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, I would think that, uh, you know, Mark Pope has done a tremendous job. And is, no, to me, he's a West Coast Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, but with that in mind, I'm thinking, did uh, you just, uh, what, what you left him as far as a gift, 
did he did you just rise to the top of his list when it comes to Christmas cards? <laughs> <laughs> well, he he's actually make these guys look really good, and we, and we we did we left him some good players, but he's he's made a team out of this group of guys, and uh, the addition of Jake Toulson is uh, just a tremendous addition, um, and the way our, the guys have accepted him and he he's accepted them. Uh, has been actually really fun to watch. And then, you know, Alex Barcelo, he he has been exactly what they needed, that one perimeter guy who can guard multiple positions as far as point guards, off guards, guard, you know, really um, high-level scorers and have a real impact on the game. And then his toughness just kind of permeates through the group. And, um, And then Yoli obviously is better than ever, and TJ's had his best year. Um, and these, you know, Zach and Dalt and uh, those guys, they've just, uh, they, they've accepted their roles. And uh, I, I, it's just, it's fun to watch how consistent they've been over the years. And they've done, been through so many, you know, um, you know, challenges, health issues, suspensions, all kinds of different things. And all they've done is just, you know, rise to the occasion and win games. And I think when you, if someone right now would go back and look at the game in Maui against Kansas and watch the first half and really watch it, I think teams will get pretty scared. Uh, and you'll realize as a fan that this team could um, – they could play. They could beat anybody they play because uh, they, they played Kansas tough, really tough the first half, and that was without Yoli. And so it's, it's a dangerous team. It can hit shots and it guards well and can really rebound. So those are things that will get – get you advance you in that tournament yeah we're talking to steve cleveland and obviously you know him extremely well and he was talking about uh, you know tj hall's really blossoming and it's fun to see this kid uh really just get to where he needs to be as a player as a senior and he was saying we thought one of the things that was imperative for him speaking of halls is to have somebody else to rely on and you just brought up barcelo and halls and that's two perimeter players are not halls uh, Toulson. So you got Barcelo and Toulson there to take the pressure off of him. Uh, do you? I assume you see that uh, that the the load now is not on T.J. Hawes the way it had been the last couple of years, especially the scoring load. I mean, his his uh, overall game, you know, is is, is a you know just a. His court game, he he needs to be really good at that every night, and he, I think he has been, but uh, over the years, but but he he had such a, a scoring role put on him, um, you know, with just you know he and Yo uh, every night, you know, yeah. trying trying to be those guys, and when one of them was off. Uh, you needed to have that third or fourth guy, and it was just hard for us to find that over his first three years. But you bring in a, you know, the conference player of the year out of the Western Athletic Conference, and uh, put him on your team, and he is one of the toughest covers probably in in, uh, you know, in the NCAA because he can he can play down in the post. Uh, but what he really can do is is shoot the ball from the perimeter, and, and you know he hit five threes in that game against Gonzaga, and those big guys just could not get out on him, and uh, and, and then the other night, you know, at Pepperdine, uh, you know, in a gym that traditionally BYU doesn't shoot the ball very well in, they just threw that thing right into Yo, and Yo ends up with a career high thirty eight. So I think they've got a lot of different ways to beat you. I think that TJ can have huge nights scoring. Most of those big nights that he had scoring this year have been when Yoli didn't play. 
and uh, and now that you know Yo's back, uh, Tej is just he's a magician of being able to uh, distribute the ball and do what he needs to do to help this team win. They won nine straight, and uh, at this time of the year. Uh, when you win nine straight, you're going to be nationally ranked, and you're going to be, uh, you know, bidding for a pretty high seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, 13 assists at two turnovers for Hawes. Well, that's just off the charts, man. It's a, it's it's a, and and then the the scoring night that he had against against Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Marriott Center on senior night, that was terrific. But his defensive effort, especially the first half. Um, you know, he took a couple charges. He got his hands on balls and just, uh, you know, deflected it. And he's a guy that is just playing with so much confidence that uh, it's fun to watch. It really is. It's really fun to watch. So all those seniors, speaking of that Gonzaga game, I mean, every one of them was brought in the program by you, unless I'm forgetting or misremembering something. Uh, even Toulson was brought in the program by you. We know he went over down the street there for a couple years, but you brought him up from the Phoenix area. I think he went down uh, down in the Gilbert area, yeah, Highland played, High played School. It, yeah, played at yeah. Highland. Uh, and uh, so you were, you're you're responsible, and individually, you know, it's been cool to see you at the games because every game they show you <laughs> sitting there. You know, you and your wife are sitting there, and then they talk about you for a couple a uh, couple seconds there, and and individually though. To have those seniors acknowledge you on their own. I don't know that it was orchestra. I don't know that anybody told them to do that. I mean, that's got to make you feel good. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and there's a relationship with those guys that'll be uh, lifelong relationships because we went through a lot of really difficult things together. Um, and I think any coach will tell you that if you coach the player for one year, let alone recruit a player and coach him for two or three years, like uh, um, you know, like I did with uh, with three or four of the four or five of those guys and uh it's fun to watch i mean it's just fun to watch them uh play with such passion with such uh you know urgency and then to have the success that they're having is what makes uh it really good for me and and i you know i'm i'm really happy for the staff i think mark and uh, chris and cody and and nick have done an unbelievable job uh, w- making these guys, these individual talented players, a real team. And you can see that uh, in these really close games. I mean, the game at San Diego when you know, the, all the pressure was building because it went right down to the wire. It was a game that, you know, everybody, you can only lose that game. Everybody knows that uh, you're supposed to win it. And they make a huge play late in the game and win it. And and just the way that they, they, they really haven't had, uh, you know, a really – kind of an off night i mean the 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 loss at boise state earlier in the year in overtime uh is a close loss and then again people say oh how how would that ever happen the most disappointing loss of the season probably the utah game i mean they led for 40 minutes i mean how do you lead for 41 minutes or whatever then you in in overtime you you take your you know you you get behind for the first time and then then end up getting beat but uh you know they 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 easily you know if if they had yo the whole year I mean this could be a team that you're you're saying right now maybe he's twenty nine and two or or thirty and one even uh, with uh, that loss to Kansas maybe the one team that actually put him away pretty good yeah yeah absolutely a whole lot to get to if you have any thoughts that you want to pass along to Coach Rose uh, hit me up on Twitter uh, 
I assume you're not on Twitter. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I do. I do. Have, I have an Instagram account, which allows me to follow all my my players, the former players. I got a lot of guys playing overseas, and um, I'm not a real big poster yet. I maybe uh, maybe I'll start doing that a little bit more. But uh, I've always kind of been a guy that. Wanted everybody to wonder what I was doing, not everybody <laughs> knowing what I'm doing all the time. i got to change that, I guess. Well, get to what you're going to be doing here this week. That's going to be interesting. And then in the next week, uh, Dave Rose is, uh, you know, sooner or later, they all come over to my side. It takes them a while to get there, <laughs> but they get there. We'll explain that next and a bunch of other stuff. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. All right, welcome back in, 97.5, The Zone, DJ and PK. DJ is off, so I'm taking his role, and I'm going to tell you about the Ford Fan Zone. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming Utah Jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as 37 bucks per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999, 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket now or tickets because you can buy more than one. Joining me now is a guy that I've known, wow, for like 25 years. Whew, man, Dave. Coach Dave Rose sitting in uh, for the rest of the show. I used to call you when you were at Dixie, find out uh, what's hot in the junior college world. We were just reminiscing about back in the day when you were calling, uh, when you were coaching Dixie about how you find scores <laughs> of, other, <laughs> of other games. Unbelievable. See what the standings were, and you'd, you'd have to call on the bus or something to get some scores. You had to and, stop at the truck stop and then call with a calling card to the other radio announcer in in uh, Price or you know in the Rexburg, uh, Twin Falls to find out what their score was so that for the next 200 miles we could <laughs> <laughs> figure out the, the standings and what place we were in <laughs> by the time we got back to St. George. <laughs> Those were the days. Yeah, I used to call you to find out. I'd, I'd call uh, Norm Parrish, coach at Salt Lake yep, Community. Right. And so – to find out recruiting, because I was covering college basketball at that time for the newspaper, and to find out who who was hot in the recruiting world, there was a couple high school coaches that I would get in touch with locally, and then I call you and uh, Norm Parrish to see about the junior college guys, not only at your place, but guys that you uh, played against. We and, all had guys. That, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That, that Region yeah. 18 at yeah. the time um, was full of uh, – Division one players, right? Exactly, you know? and yeah. uh, it was before all these um, prep schools started. Yeah, right, so, yeah. so if kids had academic issues, they didn't really show up until their senior year, and then they were what were considered non qualifiers. And the way you fixed that was to go to junior college and right. graduate, and then you became. But you know, I mean, you look at all the guys that played in the, um, you know, in, in the WAC back then when Utah and BYU were in the WAC. Um, guys like Ma Jin, you know, who played at Utah or yeah. at, at Utah Valley and Stan Rose. And, you know, we had uh, we had so one year I had seven sophomores and all seven of them signed Division One scholarships, you know, to to play. So it was the league. Rick's most of their guys, if they were really good, would sign, you know, with BYU and all, all those kind of recruiting pawns all went away, you know, mm-hmm. for those guys. And. Uh, and now that you find other ways, you know, to, this Wasatch Academy now over in in uh, Mount Pleasant has got you know a whole stable full of Division One kids that uh, are playing at a prep school. 
Yeah, and then for recruiting purposes, man, you just got to go on Twitter, social media, and you can find out everything you need to know. There, I used to have to call around, spend hours of calling people to find out uh, who were prospects and who you thought uh, was good and all that stuff. And Norm was, uh, I'd get information from him and, as I say, some high school coaches. So a lot of people want to know what you're doing, and you're leaving to Vegas because Vegas has built up uh, for college basketball in the next couple of weeks with a lot of tournament games. Tell our folks what, you, what you're going to be doing. Well, you know, Vegas has turned into, you know, the uh, you know, West Coast capital of conference tournaments. Yes, you it know, has. The, the mm-hmm. WCC tournaments there, the uh, WAC tournament, the uh, Mount West Conference tournament, the Pac-12 tournament. And uh, I'm actually going to start uh, do some color on radio for the Mountain West Conference uh, tomorrow on some of the early round games, and then I'll do some TV for the WCC on Thursday and Friday, and uh, hopefully get started in uh, uh, you know a, a second career at a, a ripe old age of 62 here, and <laughs> see if I can uh, uh, stay close to the game. I love the game; the game has been so good to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's. Uh, it's fun, and and I'm 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 uh, I had a wonderful time this year just enjoying the game, um, you know, as as a spectator. But uh, hopefully, I can get back in the gym and and especially on game night and uh, and, and do some TV or, or radio color and um, it'd be great for me and to you know to keep me going. But I think it. Uh, also, in my 36 years of coaching, I think I got some insight to hopefully make it uh, fun for other people, too. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. It'd be interesting to see what your style is, because I always thought that uh, you were a person who could relate well to other people. I always thought that if you and Steve Cleveland, I said this to you, if you could have coached somewhere in the Pac-12, I thought you guys would have killed it, because you guys uh, just have – both the two of you have a way of connecting with people – and to get parents, I'm sure they would have trusted your kids, their kids with you. So you you certainly have a, a conversational style that is warm and attracts people to you. In my conversations with you, as I said, I've known you for 25 years as far as that goes. Do you think your style, if we, if we have somebody out there, uh, you know, Hubie Brown is a real X's and O's guy. What I want to be is I want to be Tony Romo. <laughs> Tony Romo, $17 million a year. You just signed a $17 million contract. Yeah. That'd be awesome. $190 million over yeah. 10 years. Yeah. I think football allows it, you know, with a little bit of a break there, it allows itself. Basketball, you know, you. It's pretty quick. Yeah, you only have yeah. 10 seconds or some, 30, yeah. 20 seconds if, if tops if to make your point. Uh, if you're working with, with Locke, you don't have that much. You got zero <laughs> seconds, man. You got to find a, a way to get in there. Uh, well, how do you. How do you think you you you'd be you be we be Bill Walton who'll be telling us about the uh, national monuments or or Dick Vitale screaming baby what, what do you think <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like to take a little bit from all those guys you know I, I think that that Walton's his preparation is unbelievable because what he knows about the players I mean when he would come in my office and I mean he, he'd come in with a a satchel that was from 30 years ago and he'd be pulling papers out of there and trying to find a pencil. But, but by the time he was done, he had written down everything that he wanted to know about our players and who their parents were and where they grew up and what the dad did for a living. And, and he uses all that, right. you know, in his commentator, I don't think that I'll, I'll be there, but I, I do think that, uh, um, you know, bringing insight to the kids and to the, 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 the student athletes, the players, I think would be fun angle for me. But I also think that, uh, 
you know, the game, I think everybody understands the game to a certain level. And what I'd like to make the game uh, just seem really uh, easy to follow and, and what coaches are trying to do and what, what players are, are seeing, the frustrations the players have maybe. Those are things I always felt like one of my real strengths um, as a coach was being able to manage a game. And when kids are in foul trouble, when a kid can play with three fouls, when he can't, I mean, I think all those kind of nuances in the game will be fun for uh, the people to understand maybe what the coaches are thinking and going through. And uh, so somewhere in a mix, I still haven't found the style of, of, of Dick Vitale that maybe I'd take from. <laughs> uh, he was a great interview, though. I mean, when when he would come in our locker room and interview me before a game and want to know about our players, um, you know he had specific things every time that he talked about, and it was mostly the chemistry between our players. How's our point guard, you know, play with the two bigs on our team? Or when we had Jimmer, he wanted to know how did the other guys handle Jimmer having the ball in his hand so much and shooting so many shots. And I think that was really kind of the magic of that team, is that. He was, you know, in all sense and purposes, he was a ball hog. He had it all the time, but he was the most popular guy in the locker room too. And that that's that's a hard combination to have, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why he was so special. Well, you you're going to start off some Mountain West stuff, uh, particularly as it relates to Utah State. I would assume that some of these kids that you would know on a little bit of a personal level because you may have recruited them or at least scouted them along the way. Yeah, saw him play a lot. Brock Miller, you know, saw Brock play hundreds of games. Yeah. And Sam Merrill, Sam and uh, and um, uh, Zach Selyus played on the same high school team, and they also played on the same AAU team. And so I saw those guys play a lot. Sam Sam committed quick. Uh, Stu got him done uh, re- re- really early, and uh, he's had just a tremendous career. I mean, what a uh, you know what a b- big loss to that program when he when he graduates. But he he's got uh, they they played great as of late, and I've uh, got a chance to. To get into that tournament, they got to go down there and probably win a game, get to the finals, and probably need to play San Diego State in the finals uh, in order to get an at-large bid. Because if they're not playing San Diego State, then they probably have to win it. You know, because uh, San Diego State's going to get a San bid Diego either way. State's going to get in either way. Yeah, and you don't you don't play San Diego State every year anymore like you used to. But uh, any surprise as far as the level of play that they've had this year? Well, I, I saw that game uh, with BYU early in the year uh, in the Marriott Center, and BYU was up nine in the second half of that without game Yoli. without Yoli. And what hurt them in that game is the same thing that hurt them in the Kansas game in Maui: size and athleticism. And uh, uh, they kind of warm out late in the game. They had a hard time making shots late in the game, uh, and San Diego, you know, got a lot of off- offensive rebounds and scored. And then the size of Kansas also, and the speed of Dotson caused them some real problems. But uh, I-, I think you know, you take you take those two games. They went right, you know, you know, the San Diego State game went right down to the wire, and the Kansas game was a good game for a half. So I, I think that uh, that bodes well for. For, for those guys I, I do think that San Diego State I think they play Nevada is, is who, who they play and that, that, that could be a scary game 
uh, or they're in that, that 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 bracket to match up that way in the semifinals. Right. And Steve Alford's team is really dangerous uh, team because they can really shoot it. And if they get three or four of those guys rolling, making shots, you can beat San Diego State by outscoring them because they don't score a lot. Uh, and if you have one of those nights, you can, you know, maybe maybe get that done. It's amazing how long they went this year without losing. Yeah, yeah, they, right they, down they, to the end. Senior to, night, actually. They till last week. Yeah, know? yeah. I have to think that the Mountain West, it's been pretty good. I mean, a couple of, you got uh, Vegas has been a little hot and cold. Wyoming has been atrocious. That's been a that's been a stunner to that, as bad as they are. But you speak in Nevada, New Mexico's not bad. I mean, they're not great, but they're, they're not bad. So my point is, I, I got to believe they get at least two teams in. Yeah, I would think so. The, the 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 best thing about that league are the venues, you know. Sure, for I mean, sure, I, yeah. I can talk about it now because it was it was hard when we everybody wanted to know what I thought when I went to the WCC and about the venues. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, the venues aren't the the cities are a lot better to visit. Yeah, the location, you know, locations, yeah. but the venues in the Mountain West Conference are tremendous. The pit and in in Albuquerque and Thomas and Mac and Viejas and. Um, you know, the, even even the arena A or whatever they call that the, auditorium it, arena yeah, at, at uh, Wyoming. At Wyoming is uh, when it's when it's, it's packed. It's a Brown and, Huntsman Center. Yeah, when it's packed and rolling, it's it's uh, you know it, it's a great uh, facility. Um, you know, Air Force was always tough. Colorado State was more of a, a gym feel to it, but uh, I love the I love playing in those arenas because one of the funnest things in college basketball is winning on the road. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. the greatest. It's, yeah. it's the greatest feeling. And when you can do that uh, and, you know, you got all those fans, you know, coming there for one reason and you send them home disappointed, that's kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that particularly in conference games. Yep. Uh, because I've always felt, and Steve Cleveland drummed this into my head in the years that I covered him, which was uh, – uh, actually, I think it was all of his years that he was there, that uh, conference games, it, they take on a different meaning, and their conference road wins are so hard to come by because they know down to guys who don't even get in the game, they know every strength and weakness about them. Could you address that as far as – because we saw Utah didn't win a conference road game. Yeah, well, that, that's what's uh, – you know, that's what's so exciting about uh, – uh, college basketball is is the fact that uh, you know there the, 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 there is a real advantage to the home team and you saw Wake Forest the other night beat Duke who yeah. scored 113 points on their home floor and it's a team that's you know not considered to be a tournament team at all not even close um, but uh, so you know you you know that that's a possibility one year with with Steve and I um, we, we we played 14 league games. We went seven and zero at home, yeah, and we yeah. went zero and seven on the road. Yeah, I and Utah that. was ranked in the top, uh, you know, maybe fifteen or ten or ten or fifteen in the country, and we beat them at home, but we lost, you know, lost to them at their place, and so um, that's pretty hard to do. I mean, Larry's almost duplicated that this year. He's he's what is he six seven and one at home? I think he's only lost. Well, no, they just got beat by UCLA too. But for a while there, the only loss they had at home was Oregon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and their their record almost like night and day. Yeah, as far as that goes. But it's uh, a lot of that is just because of the preparation of the staffs. I mean, staffs. 
um, you know, they they know you not only from this year but from last year and tendencies that you have when you get in this situation over the last three or four years. I mean, they, they know you so well. That's what's so much fun after you play that last conference tournament game and you get into the NCAA tournament, these guys, they don't know you near as well as, you know, the uh, the teams that you just played 15, 16, 18, 20 games with. You have been in the exact same position as Mark Pope, taking a team that has had phenomenal a phenomenal season and just a great run, taking the team to Vegas, high expectations, Going in the NCAA tournament, high expectations. So basically, everything that Mark Pope is experiencing, you've been through. And I want to talk to you coming up next as far as uh, being able to relate to what Coach Pope is going through now and what he's probably going to go through here in the next few weeks. And I'll explain what I mean next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome back in, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we give away tickets. How about you listen this Wednesday for your chance to win tickets to the Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls are hitting the road this summer with special guests Lifehouse and Forrest Black and on the Miracle Pill Summer Tour. Don't miss your chance to experience it live on Tuesday, July 28th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are now on sale. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com and you can listen tomorrow for that opportunity. I'm going to have Tim Lacombe, one of your former assistants, and he of the uh, impression will be in. And he probably knows the name of all the Goo Goo Dolls, too. Yes, he's a big-time uh, <laughs> musician. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a band going on. He's got a big birthday coming up in yeah. May yes, he does. that uh, I'm looking forward to. That's the voice of former BYU coach Dave Rose, uh, who's now. i, I got to imagine that uh, you, know, you feel some sense of pride for the Cougars because not only did you recruit everybody who's playing except for Barcelo, I don't know, maybe you recruited him out of high school but because uh, he's from the Phoenix area too. But everybody else, you literally brought into the program. And you brought Mark Pope into the program. What was he? Was he at Georgia? He was at Wake Forest, Wake Forest? at the time. He was a, he was a uh, D-Ops guy at Georgia for Mark Fox for uh, a year or two. And then he went over to uh, Wake Forest with Coach uh, Bezdelic, Jeff Bezdelic, who is now with the Rockets. But he was at Air Force for years. Uh, was the head coach of yeah, Wake. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, little uh, crusty dude. Yeah, he's a really <laughs> defensive guy. I think I think he does all the defense for, for Houston, and most people say they don't play any defense, but uh, it is a uh, – when, when, when Jeff actually left uh, for 10, 12 games last year, uh, the players went and recruited him back because they, they, they said we need the guy or, you know, he's – He's the guy that's the, ma- the magician behind our defensive approach to what they do, and uh, so he actually came back and is is coaching with. And you uh, brought Pope in as a full time assistant, correct? Yep. Yeah, we we. Uh, uh, I think it was Dave Rice. Um, oh, he took Dave Dave's spot. Dave left uh, to take the UNLV head job, uh-huh. and then. Uh, we had Mark had Mark for four years, and he he took the the, the got the Utah Valley job. 
Uh, that's one of the things of, 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 I mean, there's so many things that were good for me at BYU. I mean, I was there at a great time and got some really good players, but I actually had three assistant coaches that got head jobs from BYU. And that's, that's hard to do because BYU is kind of in a little box. Uh, and, you know, you usually to get your head job, you have to leave as an assistant and then earn your way somewhere. Um, but Dave Rice, Mark Pope and Heath Schroyer all got, all three got, uh, Division One head jobs uh, from BYU, and I, I thought that was a, a a real credit to those guys, and they were you know great assistants for me. That's for sure. What's interesting is that sometimes they hire quote unquote BYU guys, but not always. I mean, I don't think Bronco Mendenhall was a BYU guy. He was a former assistant, but you know he wasn't a BYU guy, and Steve Cleveland wasn't a BYU guy. And sure enough, both those guys leave. Now, you weren't a BYU guy yourself. Everybody knows you played at the University of Utah, or uh, Houston, I mean, with uh, Olajuwon and Drexler in that game with Thurl. I mean, that's legendary. Everybody understands that. And you chose to stay and retire at the job. And you had opportunities to leave. I mean, they were, I don't know if folks know, but, you know, I certainly knew that you were offered other jobs. There's no doubt about it multiple times. And you evaluated the situations, and uh, you obviously you turned them down, and you stayed your coaching career and finished it up there. I don't know, maybe you'll get back into it, but for now, anyway, you're, uh, you're retired at BYU. Mark Pope is not a BYU guy, and really nobody on his staff is, is a BYU guy. They, but all, they all turned BYU down. Yeah, it's funny. That's the funny thing. Because yeah. I, rec- I recruited Nick Robinson, and he ended up at Stanford. He was from Missouri. I recruited Chris Burgess. You know, we just barely got there, you know, and he had already already signed, so I didn't really recruit him. But I, I, I talked to his dad a lot about the process to try to gather information about how BYU had recruited sure, him. Sure, Ken, yeah. And then uh, – Well, then he, he transferred. He didn't transfer to BYU. Yeah, and then Mark, um, you know, he, uh, he, he had – Tony Engel had expressed interest in him, but Mark had no interest in BYU at the time. At least that's the way he explained it to me. And I used to always tell Mark, I said, hey, if you were coming out of Washington, out of Seattle now – with uh, with our staff and what we've done, we'd we'd have got you to come to BYU. <laughs> but anyways, we we got him uh, uh, to come be an assistant coach, and now he's the head coach. And I, I'm sure you know with this nice run that he's put together, it won't be long until he'll be faced with that same situation. You know, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to uh, stay or am I going to you know take off and Tried somewhere else. I, I know he would probably take the University of Kentucky job as alma mater if, if that came up. But uh, uh, I think that, that that's Calipari's job for life. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, he's still that, in his fifties, isn't he? So that's probably not going to come up for a while. But so with that in mind, uh, you know, you face that situation. If he were to come to you and say, "Hey, you know, fill in the school blank, whatever, whatever schools out there, who knows?" Uh, I got, I got a good thing here. But, you know, this opportunity here and no honor code, more money, uh, maybe a higher profile conference, although that's why I think it's really cool to see San Jose State and Dayton and these Big East teams that are really good. They're not in these football conferences uh, and they're doing really well. And uh, Gonzaga, Mark Few, has just built a national power and international power when you talk about all the foreign guys that he's been able to get. So certainly you can win at a higher level, at a very high level anyway, but you got this, and you've been in that same boat. What are you telling them? 
Well, you know, he he's uh, he's early in his BYU career, and so I think that's that'll play uh, a little bit into it um, as far as the fact that that he's got guys that are committed that are coming that you know he probably really wants to coach. Uh, for me, you know, that was probably uh, the 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 biggest reason why you know I stayed was BYU was so good to me. Obviously, it's such a unique place. But the connection that I had with that group of players at the time, uh, and I had guys on missions, you know, that had committed to me that were going to come and play the year and all these, you know, different things. And and uh, so, you know, Mark, he'll have to weigh all that. You know, I'm sure none of that is in his mind right now. In his mind right now is trying to figure out how he's going to manage, you know, 10 or 11 days without playing a game and then play the biggest game of his, you know, life uh, next Monday. But uh, it'll happen. And, and when it does, um, you know, your gut kind of tells you what to do. And hopefully your gut's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you. I assume for you, you are you were content. It worked out great. worked yeah. out great for me. And, I, you know, I... I had a lot of other things on my plate when when the opportunities came up. One of the things I was battling cancer, and I had my all my doctors right here at Huntsman who were just terrific for me and have been terrific and have will still continue to be terrific. And you know, I, I thought about that six month MRI if I was you know trying to fly from somewhere in the Midwest or back east and. Uh, try to manage all that and still coach the team. So, the, I mean, there's a lot of things for me that uh, uh, jumped in. But uh, my relationship with those players is what uh, I think eventually uh, really you know kept me here. One of the things that bugs me about BYU is that – Just one? I know. I said one of <laughs> okay. the oh, things. Okay, one of the things. <laughs> it's less as I get older, and I'm not dealing with it day to day like I did when I was at the newspaper. But – is they they almost take to the point of bragging that we're not going to pay our guys top dollar, and you know I get it. They're not going to get in this big arms race, and the Pac-12 is not getting in an arms race relative to its coaches getting other jobs. We see Tucker leave for Michigan State, basically doubling his salary. We see Leach leave. We've seen a number of assistant coaches uh, who've taken coordinator jobs in the SEC or ACC or whatever it might be, and they're going to get pay raises. So the Pac-12 has come out and said that, uh, that you know, we're looking for a comprehensive athletic program, not just dumping all of our money into this. I think it's a little bit uh, hypocritical because then they're paying guys like uh, Graham down at Arizona State, McIntyre at Colorado, paying him $10 million buyout yeah. to not coach. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just – you know, life-changing money to, to, to do that type of stuff. Uh, so, and they're only doing that for the sake of winning to pay these outrageous buyouts. So a little bit of talking out of both sides of their mouths. But the point is for BYU now going forward here with this money just being astronomical uh, in football and men's basketball, what do you do in that situation? How do you just turn down that kind of dough or can BYU – Maybe not match it, but get it ballpark so your quality of life and your lifestyle and everything is similar, even though at place B you may be making a little bit more, but you still are making some huge change here to where it, it, you know you don't have any problem turning that down. Well, I, I think the, the main thing 
Pat, is that if you if you if your decision is going to be based solely on money, you'll probably leave because um, you know the the money's going to be better somewhere else, and and which doesn't really make a lot of sense when you when when you realize that BYU is owned by the church and the church has got a hundred billion dollars <laughs> somewhere. I mean, they could actually pay the guy, if right? They, right. If if that was their main you know objective, but uh, I think. <laughs> they want they want the guy to be there because he really wants to be there, and they they're they're, they're going to pay him and you know take good care of him. But it's it's it, it, you can always uh, if you have the opportunity and there is an offer, there's always probably going to be more money somewhere else. Right, and so you don't make it solely on that. But if it's a you know other stuff, these these coaches that went to Virginia, a slew of assistants. I'm getting double, and it's not, say, 1.5 million to 2 million. You know, you're 1.5, you're, you're making it, it is 90,000 to 250,000. I mean, that's literally what it was, or 150,000 to 350,000, because they told me that's what it was. So, I mean, I've got numbers based on. So, it's not just you as the head coach in the football, you need all that, but also, too, the, the, relying on speaking to the guys after they left from Virginia and, you know, I developed relationships with them. They're talking about the other stuff. It's not just the bottom bottom line dollar figure. It is the recruiting budgets and some other stuff from your expectation, from your not expectation, but from your insight, from your knowledge, how much has BYU risen that other stuff? Because you need that other stuff to be able to succeed at the level that everybody not only wants, but everybody demands you succeed at that level. Yeah, and I think that uh, from my experience there uh, for 22 years in the basketball program, uh, I always felt as an assistant coach when I was the associate head coach and when I was the head coach, I always felt like... um, you know the budget was not an issue in recruiting, in traveling, in you know how we how we uh, you know took care of our players as as far as you know per diem and all those things. I always felt like we were on par or, or close to on par with you know anything the NCAA would allow you to do. Um, and but w- but when you're talking about um, you know coaches' salaries. Uh, I, I think you, you're always going to be in a position where there's probably somewhere else that's going to pay a little bit more. I, I remember when the NCAA, um, you know, changed the rule and, and, and you got to get um, your scholarship plus the cost of attendance. And our cost of attendance came back as one of the you know, top five in the West Coast because of how the formula worked. And that went straight to the student athletes. And and so I always felt, you know, really comfortable about, you know, going into people's homes and recruiting the kids and telling them that, hey, we'll take care of, you know, your kids as as well as anybody can, you know, possibly do with under, under you know, under the rules. So, uh, I mean, they're in it to win it. They're, they're in it to play, you know, uh, at, at, at a high level. But uh, I, I always believe that um, you know if if it's if if it's money is going to be the coach's number one concern that he'll probably leave. Yeah, I always felt that you know the administration Brian Santiago and Tom Homo 
they're in it to win it. Yeah, those absolutely. guys, you know, absolutely. I have no doubt that the, the athletic the, the, administration the, the, is as competitive as anybody else's. The fight that they that they put on on, on a daily basis to get what we need right. is tremendous. It's, right. it's just uh, uh, it's second to none. And, and they, you know, there's times when they're told no and all right, we won't discuss this anymore, and so let's fight another battle. And when that happens, that's what they'll tell us, and then we'll move on. But um, m- most of those things don't concern money. Most of those yeah. concern uh, principle and other stuff, tradition. <laughs> yeah. Know, so the bottom line, and this is very important for whoever, is that you feel that BYU will do what it can do and what it needs to do to field a competitive program. Absolutely. And then they will continue to do it. And right now with the excitement being at the level that it is, especially in the basketball program, uh, it'll be tough to, it'll be tough to, you know, to take off. And, uh, but Hey, you know, the most important thing right now is try and win that game on Monday. Right, and we'll get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. All right, welcome back in. DJ and PK. DJ is off. He's in D.C. As I understand it, he's on an exploratory committee to see if he can convince Hillary Clinton to run again. <laughs> That's my story. That's your story. <laughs> he's going to be really upset when he gets back, FYI. <laughs> see, though, and that's the voice of Dave Rose there and Jay Catch. Uh, you know, if you say enough crazy things, you get away with a license to say more crazy things. And people know, well, he's just crazy. Yeah. So, like, you know, if DJ were to say PK's back in wherever doing something, they would take him seriously. It's just like teams that foul. Yeah. If they fouled when they guard defensively over and over and over by the end of the game, they're not fouls because you can't call every <laughs> single foul. Exactly. The same thing. Same and I principle. foul constantly. That's right. <laughs> same principle. <laughs> by the end of the night, it's not a foul. <laughs> yeah. So I get away with saying stuff that others can't. The same same type of thing. So you're talking about for BYU, you know, the, the, obviously the focus. And this is, this is funky because they're going to play like one game in two weeks right down in the end of February and March. And that's not the normal schedule. You know, it's just unusual. Uh, as far as that goes, because you know, they don't play again until Monday. And they had a bye last week. Right, that's so what I'm saying. they play yeah. one game. Yeah, they play like one so game in two weeks. What do you like do? 20 games, 20 yeah. days and only play one game. What, what are you doing games? that way? How do you yeah. handle that? Well, yeah, I think every coach is different. I know how well Mark's going to do because Mark is uh, – uh, you know, he, he's preached this since the day he got there, and those guys will practice every day, and they'll practice hard, and they'll go after each other, and uh, they'll be really ready to play somebody else by the time they get to Monday. And uh, and I think that the players understand that. I think the players have kind of really bought into that, and uh, you know, they're excited to get rolling, and and but they'll be happy when this week's over. That's for sure, though. You think, uh, I think anyway, and get your thought on it, that the West Coast is a three-bid league? Yeah, absolutely. I really do. I think that uh, um, you know St. Mary's is going to have to win their Saturday game and get to the semifinals. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a really competitive St. Mary's-BYU game. And if Gonzaga – I mean, Gonzaga's got to get to the to the finals. And, and I think probably – Pacific, if, if uh, yeah, Pacific is 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 you know the team that's going to get the the two game by. But as we found out last year, so that two game by, if you're if 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 you hit a team when we got a real senior you know laden team that we beat twice in San Diego last year, and they had played in that arena, they played two games. You think they'd be tired, but uh, my goodness, they got off to a great start. We couldn't make a basket, and that thing got away from us really quick, and. Uh, 
you know, you, then you start thinking, my gosh, was it really an advantage not right. not to be playing? Because you don't get you don't get any practice time in that arena because the the, the tournament is with the women's tournament, and yeah, there's yeah. just you know it's just booked you know uh, you know hour after hour with with games, and so you don't have any shoot around times, and then. You know the Sunday the Sunday deal uh, will be tough for them because that's the day that they're going to have time to go in and practice, and uh, they probably won't. So uh, handicap it for us. Uh, the way I look at Gonzaga is strong up front, which they always seem to be. Maybe not quite as good in the backcourt. Yeah, I I don't think I mean, and you think the, you know the, to try to compare their front line with you know Hachimura and Brandon Clark and you know Ronnie, NBA guys Ronnie Turioff and I mean the guys that they've had for yeah. years and years uh, and the and these two guys are different three guys are different but they can really score and that's what sets them apart is they got post guys who can really score and that's what BYU has BYU's got a post guy who can really score and. Uh, you know, it, it comes down to the guards, and in that last game, BYU's guards really outplayed the the Zags. Uh, right, no question. You know, TJ and 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 Jake Toulson. I mean, they had tremendous uh, shooting games. You know, mm-hmm. as far as their floor game was concerned. Um, but but the the size of Gonzaga's guards could cause you know BYU some problems if uh, if they're not really making shots. Um, I think Gonzaga. This will sound really crazy, but I think Gonzaga will be an easier game to play for BYU because it's up and down and back and forth, and Gonzaga plays like BYU likes to play. The St. Mary's game is going to be tougher because they're going to just crank that thing down and really limit the possessions, um, especially after playing a game on a Saturday. Uh, they they're not going to want to run up and down that court, you know, 115 times, 120 times, as far as possessions are concerned. So, I think they'll really slow it down, and and that that just makes you know your execution that much more important. Mm-hmm. Do you know if Mark Pope and his staff has developed the same animosity that everybody else has for Randy Bennett? You know what? That <laughs> that's an interesting question coming from a, a media guy. <laughs> that you think all the coaches hate the one guy? You know? People tell me stuff. What can I tell you? <laughs> there you are know, rumors out there. I've been around. I will tell you this: Rand, Randy has been as 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 good to me. Uh, as any coach in the business, uh, I wasn't wasn't even in the league when, you know, I was diagnosed with cancer, and he he sent me immediately a, a text and and texted me, you know, about every four or five months, you know, for the rest of my life. I mean, I still get texts from him asking me how I'm doing. When he was in town, when they played, he he sent me a text. Uh, but when Randy's in in. Uh, and I've heard all the rumors about you know the crusty attitude that he has, <laughs> and when he gets in uh, in coaches' meetings in the off season, oh my gosh, he's got the whole room, you know, that's after him. So uh, <laughs> he definitely has St. Mary's view of everything uh, as his number one priority, and he doesn't really care about the rest of the schools. That's for sure. He makes it known. Where do you see? Uh, you know, Gonzaga's gone to the top. They've been to the Final Four. Uh, do you? Where do? You, how far do you see them potentially going this year? Are they the same? 
Yeah, it's it's probably it's it comes down and coach would say this all the time. But when when you've been through it and done it and you've been knocked out the first round and then you've had a nice little run in it, you realize that matchups are so important in that thing, you know. And the seed's important, but the matchup is probably even more sure, important, yeah. you know. And um, you know, there's the, the the one team that caused them problems this year, uh, besides BYU, is. Uh, was the Michigan team on a neutral court, and that was the third night uh, of a tournament. They didn't shoot the ball very well at all. Michigan had a great, you know, shooting night, um, and they had size and they had athleticism in that game too. But I, I think that they could make another run. But I also think that if the matchups are right for BYU, that they have enough guys who have been there. I mean, they don't have to have one guy play great in in order to get by this game or that game. In in uh, They've got a group of, of, of players that if a, a coach comes through with a game plan and takes this part of it away, you know, you got two guys coming off the bench. If Dalt gets back in, in Dalt and Zach, who've all started games, Connor Harding started games for us last year, uh, you got experienced guys who have a variety of, of game, of, of, of different types of styles of game. Um, that could carry carry you through a game and and get your pass to the next round and so uh, I'm I'm excited to watch it. a lot of it will will be determined by um, you know this conference tournament because if they beat St Mary's and then beat Gonzaga they're probably going to be a five maybe a four uh, if they get beat on the Monday they could maybe be a seven and then they get seated eighth because it doesn't fit right you know and then you're in a terrible spot you know so right 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 and that happened to us a couple, you know, yeah that's what i was gonna it, say it, it, but the sunday play causes the ncaa terrible issues the one year we went to spokane and they put us in the wrong pod and we had to switch it if we'd have won the first round game we'd have had to take in somebody else's place because the next game was friday the next bracket was friday sunday and we couldn't be put in that situation when you were an assistant no that's when, I, when were you were uh, head coach no i was the head coach yeah yeah was it was it yeah i was the head coach because i can know. remember two years that i thought byu was woefully underseated yeah and i wasn't i don't remember if you or steve yeah, was the, coach. The, the one year was, i know it was in spokane yeah i remember being up there yeah so it it's uh and you know it's funny because we went we went eight out of nine years, and then with Steve, we went three years. We went, we went in twenty-two years. I was at BYU. We went eleven times, and we took that thing when it was one and twenty-five. And to think that you know, in twenty-two t- two years, I'd have never thought that I'd stay there for twenty-two years. But to <laughs> you know, make it to the NCAA tournament eleven times when we walked into a um, you know pretty big challenge. Uh, sometimes I think, how in the world did that happen? All right, coming up in the last hour, I want to hit some more in depth. Uh, BYU, and then also want to touch on Utah and get your thoughts on, on, on that program and where it is and what needs to happen. So stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome back in, 9 o'clock hour. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. DJ's off. Former BYU coach Dave Rose is sitting in. We are just reminiscing about some times in the Mountain West, and one of the things I would do, you know, I covered the league for so many years and back into the WAC that I got to know the opposing coaches and I got to know their spouses, at least know them by sight. And I used to watch them, and your wife was in it too. I mean, they would live and die. 
and, yeah. and, and they couldn't do anything about it. And if they're winning, they're beaming. And if they're losing, their face is so long. I mean, the pressure on the wives sometimes is greater than the guys who are in the middle of the action. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's uh, I mean, we, I take a trip every year for the last 10 years, Cheryl and I, with uh, other coaches um, with the, with Nike. And we've, we've gone all different places. And, and it's amazing to sit and get to know other coaches and their wives and to listen to their, you know, their lives. And it's the one thing where we're really pretty healthy. We, we, other people realize that there's other, you know, families that are going through the same thing, you know, it's happening the same way in their situation. And, you know, all the different, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, traditions that they have and, you know, all, all, all the, but the, the one thing that's pretty common is that, uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty tough on everybody when you get beat, and yeah. it doesn't go away until you win again. That's right, for sure. Exactly. You know? As far as this BYU basketball team, I, I want to ask you just straight up: Did you think Yoli was going to be this good? You know, I, I, I when, when Yoli decided to come back, um, you know, I, after he had made a a real commitment, you know, to 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 kind of, you know test the waters and with the NBA and one of those things one thing that's really difficult about that is once once you decide if, that you're going to leave I mean the, the NBA teams won't really mess they don't want to spend much time with you if you tell them oh I'm just testing the water if they're just testing the water most of them are going to tell you to go back just go back and mm-hmm. and play they want to know if you're all the way in then hey we'll you know do all do due diligence yeah. and we'll bring you in and see what's going on but when 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 he found out, you know that it wasn't going to work the way he wanted it to work, and wanted to, you know, wanted to come back. I really felt like he could be the most dominant player in the league, uh, just because of the experience that he had and how he had progressed from his freshman year to his sophomore year, and his sophomore year to his junior year. And he's actually proven that. I mean, he I, I think he is uh, the most versatile, most dominant, you know, low post scorer. Um, in the league, and uh, I think they'll probably come out with those awards today. You know, that, that that's another thing that is kind of interesting at this period of time when you're not playing games and you're waiting is, you know, the, these kids are all going to get either awarded or snubbed, you know, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. award, you know, and as a coach you kind of, you know, have to play uh, – you know the you got to play to every individual situation, and if a kid should have been an all league player and he's not an all league player, then you got to make sure he knows what you think about him, and vice versa. But um, I, I think that uh, the thirty eight point performance the other night at uh, at Pepperdine, you know the the games that we won in Pepperdine, we were beat there a few times, but the games we won, we we always had a low post player. I remember Brandon Davies had a huge game in there for us. Eric Mika had a huge game uh, in there for us. We traditionally don't shoot the ball very well in there, and uh, and Yoli Bear, you know, they, he he did a tremendous job the other night to get a big win for him. And then Jake Toulson, I think, obviously has been a real difference maker. Uh, the thing that surprised me, you know, I saw him as a freshman. And then I'm not watching UVU that much. And I know he's a shooter. You look at the stats, and he's you know, shooting 46%, whatever it was, from three. So he comes in to do that, and that's not a big surprise. But I've been impressed with his ability to go down low and get some buckets and use his body, use his size to his advantage. It just seems like where he was a few years back to where he is now 
His mental toughness has just improved tremendously. It, 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 it really is. He wants the big shot. He wants the moment. And, uh, and a lot of it, you know, is because he's been so successful in the moment uh, in the last, you know, two or three years. And with the, the, the thing that I, I thought when they, they brought Jake in, I thought it would really, really help balance the team. Uh, but I just didn't know how it would fit, you know, because I know, you know Jake's personality, and he 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 really he wants the ball in his hands. He wants the ball in his hands a lot, and um, you know how would the other guys deal with that? But Mark's done a great job of managing that, and I think with a lot of the, uh, you know, the, as far as them being consistent in winning games, they haven't had consistent lineups. And uh, TJ and Jake, I think, have been the two that have really adjusted really well to when Yoli's in and Yoli's out. And uh, now that they're in and, and healthy and together, um, you know, the, the three of them, I think, really uh, have got this relationship where they're so happy the other two are on the floor. Yeah. And that's the magic of, of the deal. You get three guys, and the other two guys are really happy about that third guy. That's a that's a good way to play. You think they have to be seniors at that point because they got that maturity? I, I think that upperclassmen uh, feel that way. Um, when I was in junior college, uh, I used to love sophomores, and and everybody every junior college coach will tell you that you know the beauty of sophomores is that. You know, they just want to win. Freshmen want to be all league, and right, freshmen right. want to be, you know be the leading scorer. And sophomores, they just want to win, and because they understand how important that is to get what they want, which right. is the scholarship at yeah. the next level. And uh, I think that's the same thing with seniors at this level. That when you get to that point, all the other things that you came in there with that you wanted to be this, or you wanted this to happen to you, or this for this. You know, all your posse, your people still have all those thoughts, but you personally, you just want to win. Did you think that, or what did you think was in store for Jake Toulson when he left BYU? Well, when he went when he went to Utah Valley, I thought he he, he was thinking about going back to uh, to Phoenix and play at Grand Canyon too. And um, you know, I I, I I I thought that he would uh, you know end up being a good. Division one player. I didn't think he would be, you know, the whack player of the year, uh, and could easily be the WCC player of the year this year. The impact that he's had on that team. Um, but uh, you know, that's the beauty of this business, is that this, it's an art. It's not a science. And we recruit guys all the time. When I recruited Jake to BYU, I really felt like he would be an all league first team guy. Uh, and then you know the. The start to that to his career there just didn't go like he wanted it to, and and you know between his patience level and 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 my ability to get the most out of him, it just didn't really work, and so he decided to leave. And uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a kid in any other situation transfer from a school and then transfer back to the school. I mean, that'd be interesting to go and study that, but you know it, it might become way more of a um, you know, of a common thing now that he's been so successful at it, that's for sure. Yeah, and you talk about these kids and how they want to be all league and this and that, and then when they get to be seniors, it's about winning, and you speak of that posse. At, at, at this level, how much does the parental or whatever the posse is in t- encompasses, whether it's parental or friends or combination thereof, does a coach have to deal with? 
Well, at, at BYU, the posse usually changes, you know, because you got the parents and grandparents, you know, family. But then sometime halfway through, they get married. And so then it's basically there's a new family, and that's the wife. And, uh, you know, my wife was so good with uh, – you know, the players' wives over the years. She was a player's wife because we were married when I was at the University of Houston playing. And so I think that uh, she had a real insight on, um, you know, what you go through, the ups and downs of the year. And when your you know, husband's a starter and then, you know, he's not a starter anymore and the feelings that the wife has towards the coach. I mean, she, she'd she experienced that herself, and so she knew all about it. And uh, I think she related really well with them. And um, as far as the head coach is concerned, I don't think there's a, a whole lot that you go through, but uh, you do you do spend a lot a lot of time, uh, you know, with the players one on one, you know, trying to make sure that everything around them is working so that they can get on the court and make it work. Because that that's got to be somewhat of a, a difficult situation uh, as far as putting together a puzzle. Because I think one of the things that I don't think has gotten enough due this year. Is Hawes, I don't want to say acquiescing, but maybe sacrificing some offensive numbers for the sake of winning. And it seems like it's been seamless for him. And if he needs to shoot, he'll shoot. But if it's setting up Yoli or letting Jake get down low or Barcelo on the wing or the other two, whatever those other three guys and Harding and Celius and Nixon, it just seems like everybody is getting a part. Even go back to, you spoke about Jimmer, how it was unusual, the ball hog, but yet he was the most popular guy in the uh, gym. Uh, If you look at, there was 100% of publicity being given to your team. He got 98% of it. You know, locally and then nationally, he's all over the place. He's on PTI and all these things. But yet there didn't, as you're saying, there's no very little resentment and it seems like a delicate situation it seems like this team this year has handled that in terms of the way it needed to be handled for the sake of winning rather than individual acclaim and i think a lot of that has come obviously from their staff i think that uh like i said mark's done a tremendous job with uh with chris and and uh, nick and, and cody those guys the time that they've spent with those uh, players and getting them to buy into to you know uh, what's happening right now, but I, I do think that you're taking a group of guys that are in a perfect spot when you got Zach and Dalt and Yoli and uh, and TJ who have come to BYU with huge expectations and huge. Uh, plans of their own, and three years later, that none of them had been to the NCAA tournament. Right. I mean, Dal- Dalton is the only one I think that went before his mission, and so they got one thing in mind, and we're not going to leave here without getting that. And Mark's really played, you know, has used that um, to his advantage, and those guys have really bought into it. Because that's isn't that a hard thing to accomplish? Because you don't read that in a book. You don't read. You don't go to a coaching clinic and learn that. No, that's something that I think Mark really benefited from the fact that he knew all these guys because he had been at BYU. Yeah, okay. And so he he had a connection to uh, to all of them. He recruited Yoli really hard when he was at Utah Valley, and so he knew Yo and obviously knew Dalton uh, um, uh, and Zach, and and so uh, you know th- those are. That was an advantage that he had coming in that he could kind of get into their 
uh, you know, their space and say, hey, listen, th- th- this is what's happened and this is what needs to happen in order to make this work. And uh, so far, so good. Yeah, no question about that. And that's why I think he should be runaway coach of the year. Because we understand all the all the ins and outs of what's been going on. When you look at the league overall, I think Damon Stoudemire is going to have a really good chance of becoming because they were picked to finish whatever, and, yeah. and now they finish this. And BYU was picked to finish second, and they're going to finish second, you know. Uh-huh. And so, uh, when it comes down, those votes are probably all well. They are all in because they came in on Sunday, and they'll, they'll probably be announced today or tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I would not be surprised at all uh, if Mark Pope was was the coach of the year, or if Mark Few was the coach of the year because they won the league. And sometimes the coach will just whoever wins the league they'll put. And look what Few he did. Look what he replaced. You know, I mean Brandon Clark leaves, and you know Hachimura leaves, and those guys both leave early. And uh, you know he punches in a couple other guys and he's number you know the number one team in the country for six weeks or whatever it was i mean and we just get used to that like oh well, that's what he does all the time you know but when you when you actually think about the 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 job and who you're going to cast your vote for there might be co-coach of the year uh maybe the thing got split in half we'll see yeah, Gonzaga, the consistency of the program. What has he been there, 22 years? It's unbelievable. And every year he's, he's gone? He's been there, t- yeah, as the head coach, but he's been there like 29 years. I'll yeah. tell you a funny son. I think I might have said this before, but like when we uh, when when we recruited Jesse Wade uh, and you know he left Gonzaga and, and was back out on the market and was going to go somewhere and we brought him in. And so I sat down with him and I just asked him about his Gonzaga experience and you know what had happened and what are some of the reasons he's interested in being here at BYU and he says well you know coach I was the only married player at Gonzaga and I think it'd be nice for my wife to you know be on a team where these there's a couple married players and I, I said well wasn't there anybody else that was married up at Gonzaga and he says well no the, the, like the second week I was there I, I, I was supposed to be at a team deal and it was a Sunday and I was with my wife we were, went somewhere and and so he called, called me in his office and he, he said, all right, Jesse, you need to understand. I mean, And Jesse goes, what are you talking about? Well, we have to decide how this is going to work right now. What team are you on? Are you on your wife's team or are you on Gonzaga's team? And he goes, well, I, I just thought that, that it was, you know, a Sunday and, and we could, you know. And, and, and Jesse goes, well, what do you do with your other players that are married in the past? Um. I've never had a player that's been married <laughs> in 29 years against Gonzaga. He never had a one Not player that's married. Huh? One year we had seven. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little different. <laughs> the BYU way. <laughs> get married. Opens up a lot of opportunities and prevents a few problems if you get my drift. All right, speaking of problems, I want to get your thought on Utah, what needs to happen up there and what has happened, because I don't think it's unique to Utah, but nevertheless, it is something that has been an issue. So stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Okay, thanks for listening to us for today. Finishing up the last half hour of the show, former BYU coach Dave Rose joining me. DJ's off. He'll be back on Thursday. Uh, Tim Lacombe does our jazz pre-half and post. Uh, and does a nasty Rick Majerus impression, among others. He'll be sitting in tomorrow. Your former assistant. You two are you two are joined at the hip, man. Yeah, Tim's a, a great <laughs> Gary guy, but even better friend. Yeah, and he he thinks the same of you. He's spoken highly of you. Uh, Utah situation. 
we know what they did, and it's somewhat of a curse because you, you see that in places. You know, UNLV's had to deal with it for years. UCLA's had to deal with it when they had such enormous success. And you don't match that success. The people who were there then and who are there now, like, okay, what, you know, what's going on here? And we know that Larry, Larry faced the same situation you guys faced. What were you in 97 when he took over this job? Uh, it was at the bottom, and both programs, Larry and his staff and Steve Cleveland and you, did phenomenal jobs building that thing in a relatively short amount of time and getting them in the NCAAs pretty quick from where you were because you guys were awful. And now he's slumping again, and you know he doesn't have any veterans whatsoever, and it is a product to some degree of players leaving and what you call them the program players that – and I thought you did an excellent job, and we're seeing it this year. These are your program players, Celius and Nixon. These guys are seniors and making massive contributions off the bench. And I talked to Celius uh, a week before last, and I said, hey, your role that you got now when you're coming out of high school, did you foresee yourself doing this? <laughs> and he was honest. He said no, because yeah. you, know, you think you're all that. Right. And then you get in there and you see, well, wait a second, this guy's good, this guy's good. I mean, where do I fit in? All of a sudden here, I'm not going to be this first-round draft choice, and I'm not all that. But I can make a valuable contribution, and Larry doesn't have that. Um, What do you think needs to happen? Because Utah at its core, football is huge now, but I still think Utah at its core is a basketball school and they've been so good for so many years going back 50 60 70 years they've been really good and now you know they're gonna they're six and eleven in the conference obviously it's just not good well i'll tell you the first thing is that uh and you'll hear this all the time and and you know fans will say that coaches use it as an excuse or whatever but it's just the truth you need to get old and you need to stay old and that's the difficult thing in college basketball now um, to stay old, I, I will. I will tell you this: that in my experience, thirty-six years uh, of coaching high school, junior college, and Division One basketball, the challenge of taking a, uh, a program that's in a tough spot and moving it forward is a lot easier than the challenge of once you've moved it to a level to uh-huh. keep it there. Yeah. Okay. It's much more difficult because there's so many. There's just so many personalities and so many moving parts that you have to control. And most of it now is your players and trying to keep your players there. I mean, it used to be that that it was kind of a scarlet letter for a player to transfer. If you had a transfer next to the, this guy's got an issue or a problem, we got 900 of these kids transferring now every year. And so it's it's like, okay, if things aren't going right, then the options are – Let's go somewhere else. And they're going to make it even easier. It's going to pass eventually that yeah. kids are going to get one free pass. You right, know? right, right. Gotcha. Yeah, you get to, uh, if you're eligible, academically eligible, and you're in good standing with the school, that you can transfer one time and not have to sit out. And more kids are going to, you're going to try it. And, and um, you know, if, if, if you look at a lot of the real high-end players, they've gone to two or three high schools you know, and played on two or three different AAU teams. And so it's part of the game. And so if you're going to lose your players um, after a year or two or three, 
then you have to find a way to replace them with experienced players. And I think that's that's probably uh, you know where where Larry and, and his staff they've they've got a lot of freshmen, a lot of young guys, uh, and they need to to supplement that that roster with some uh, experienced transfer guys. You look at Coach Pope and just the one, you know, the, 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 the one player in Alex Barcelo, the transfer from Arizona, who had played two years and hadn't played a lot at Arizona, but had been through a Division One program and a really successful Division One program, and he stepped right in when it was ready to contribute and play starters minutes. And then obviously you get the WAC Player of the Year and Jake uh, Toulson, and look what that addition has done to that group of guys. I think the same thing can happen at Utah. It's probably um, you need to recruit those high school kids and, and, and have them coming in. But uh, and they they have a really good class coming in, but maybe that needs to be supplemented. And I don't know the whole program. I mean, I've been been through it. And but uh, from the outside, it would look like, you know, uh, maybe the the um, you know the, the the player of the year from the Big West and the player of the year from the <laughs> Big Sky <laughs> for transferring in there might really help that team. <laughs> yeah, because you know they're talking about being young, but then they're talking about this great recruiting class. And okay. So these young guys couldn't get you over the top, but you got this great recruiting class, but now those guys, they're going to be just as young as these guys. So it becomes a perpetual cycle. Yeah. And how do you get out of it? it it's hard. You got, you got to you got to get a couple older guys to come and maybe it's grad, you know, senior transfers and uh, you you remember they had a, a little point guard up there I think from Long Beach State they a couple did. years yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah. Oh my goodness, he came in and yeah. really stepped up and right. and took them to uh, you know good places. And so I, I think that uh, uh, they're just a player or two, uh, an experienced player or two, and 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 you know fans want to know well what what does what does an experienced guy you know do that that maybe a talented guy can't do. Well, just look around the NCAA right now and and where they are, all the teams and the upsets, the top 10 teams that are being beat by unranked teams, they're all teams that are playing with underclassmen, young, yeah. young players. And I heard that there was 29, I think, uh, upsets this year of unranked teams beating ranked teams. So, somebody told me, I don't know if this is true, if DJ was here, he could find it in like a second. <laughs> but uh, something like 60-some-odd players, over 60 players, put their names in the draft this year and didn't get drafted and didn't go back to college. Seems you like just, a waste. You, you just take that many kids out of programs across the country, and then you look to see – you got so you fill them with younger guys, and that's what's happening is that uh, – you know, teams are getting beat at places where they usually don't get. Yeah, beat. and I think that is uh, Arizona's situation. I, I I think they've. I can't say they made a mistake because these kids are four and five stars, so you recruit them, but they come in as freshmen and then they leave, and they're not good. There may be great pros down the line, and they would certainly be great juniors and seniors, but they'll never get there. So Sean Miller's bringing in these guys. Pace Mannion's kid is one of them, yep. and he's all that, but he's still a freshman, and there and he's playing along other freshmen, which compounds the issue because now you got all these freshmen here, and they're supposed to have these outrageous expectations, and they're having a decent season, but they're not having. Oh man, they're not having. Let's be knocking down the door of the Final Four, and it just kind of festers and grows, and it and it mushrooms. 
and it becomes they get swallowed up by this stuff and then they'll leave and then he'll do it again and it just seems like that's not the cycle you want to be in yep and 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 in 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 some at some places, it's a cycle you have to be in because to keep your job, you have to sign those kind of players. Right. If you just sign three star players at Arizona, you're not going to be there very long, you know. And so you have to sign the five star, the four star guys. I think you know the key to that whole situation is those three and a half, four star guys to keep them there, you know. Uh, you know, for the the full four yeah, but then years. they lose Barcelo, and and that, but that's what happens. You bring yeah. a five star guy in, right? And this kid hasn't played a lot the first two years, right. and he thinks this kid's coming over the top, and so it's going to make it more and more difficult. And it just seems to me like, well, I, I know it's 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 just a fact that that you you have to have three different kind of pipelines of. Uh, your recruiting, you know, philosophy, and one is in, uh, you know, the freshman traditional how you recruiting guys, and then you got to, you know, get these grad transfers, and now there's going to be a third one because all transfers are going to get a year, for, uh, or get one transfer for free, and so you just need to know who you know what's available. I think right now you you can go through and find all of the fifth year kids or kids that are going to be fifth year. Uh, seniors that will have graduated because you can go through and find the red shirts. You can find the kids that have transferred and sat out a year, and you know that whole list of players. And then they'll start to say declare if they're going to leave or not. The part of it that gets a little you know uh, dicey is that do do p- programs start recruiting those kids before they declare? Yeah, that's that they what I was going to ask you. How's that work? Because that's illegal. I know, but are you then too late if you're not having some type of informal contact or some form of? I don't know how it works. That's that's where the you know the AAU coaches and all those people who are associated with the kid you know come in contact because you know you're not supposed to you know have any contact with the player or any of the player's representatives or the people, but uh, there's there's a lot of conversation that goes on throughout a season. Right. Okay. So, uh, and that that has become a necessary evil. You got no choice. I don't. Th- I don't think you can fight it. You know anymore. I. I think it's something that uh, is. You know, it's really been popular in football and especially with quarterbacks in the NCAA. Bouncing around. You know, yeah. when Russell Wilson left. You know. Um, Wherever he left and went to Wisconsin, NC first, State, and the NC State, and went yeah. to, with, and uh, you know he has an All American year there, and uh, it, it it and and there's so many of these guys that have so much success in maybe a bigger school or a more prestigious school, um, but there's also a lot of kids that you know that that don't have the senior year that they would have had if they stayed. So it is a. Uh, it, it's a, a real issue in college basketball, and it's something that everybody's trying to adjust to. But I think in uh, in some cases it can really be a benefit if you get – you know, I, I I remember when Lon Kruger got his kid from Arizona State. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kevin was playing at Arizona State, and I thought that, okay, now we're going to play UNLV the next year, and they're going to have a freshman point guard, and bam, they signed Kevin and – you know, they, they end up having a senior point guard that's really experienced and and a freshman point guard that's really, really talented. And so uh, they kind of skipped that step of, of, a, of a year where I, right. I thought they might be down a little bit. Do you have a problem with the, the free transfer rule? 
Well, you know, I, 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 I do think that everybody has a point that coaches can, you know, take up and they, they can leave. And I, I think there's probably, uh, in my opinion and, and my belief, that there's probably some uh, common ground there that uh, you could come to. I think it's probably way too um, radical to just let everyone transfer one time. And it's probably, you know, way too strict to not let a kid transfer when his coach leaves. You know, there's probably somewhere in that area there should be uh, an adjustment made. But but I think we're going to go straight to the fact that all these kids get one-time transfer. All right, we'll close up the show. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280, The Zone. All right, closing up the show with former BYU coach Dave Rose. Still crazy to see it. I've accepted it, but... It was hard, man. You were there for so long to uh, to think of you. I'm seeing mortality in my face <laughs> when I look at you. Like, Wait a second, you're not coaching anymore. I mean, uh, you know, it took a while for Jerry's the Jerry Sloan thing too. When somebody's been there that long, well, it was it was a fun it was fun. It was a great run, and um, you know, I I, I have a, a, another cancer scan in April because I have them every six months, right, and. Uh, I, I I got a pretty good feeling that this April scan, my April scans were always when my numbers were really skewed. My April scans probably will be a lot better this year than it's been. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're you're 62, and we saw Beeline get in at 66. Uh, you think you're done? Well, I, I, I do. I, I think that, uh, you know, as far as being a head coach is right. concerned, I've talked about uh, – you know, friends of mine maybe asking me to come help and be on their staff in a special assistance role or something. That, um, and you know, I, I think that yeah, uh, that's probably far fetched. But uh, I, I'd love to be in the gym. I'd, I'd love to, you know, maybe get uh, some type of you know radio or TV gig and and be able to stay with college basketball because I love it and it's been fun. And I really, I, I miss it. I miss I miss the game day and. Uh, and hopefully I can find a way to recreate that a little bit. Yeah, that's what I find. You know, I was the beat guy for so many years, and I I just got so sick of the travel after one, the dead time and the downtime and whatnot. But I always enjoyed walking into the gym on game night, getting there about 90 minutes before, and the excitement of the games and the competition of the games and sitting there on press row and being so involved in it. And it was just a lot of fun. I still miss that. I mean, I go to a lot of games, but I'm not the day-to-day guy like I was. And I miss – I'm grateful for this job. It's a much better job. (laughs) I mean, I'm not kidding myself. But when the adrenaline – I even got it a little bit, especially if it's a huge game. Well, absolutely. I mean, and that's why it's so popular. And that's that's why people will come here and sit – you know, on the the very top row because what you feel in the arena in a game, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I was a kid growing up in Houston and the Astros were in the World Series and playing in the Astrodome and I got a ticket and it was the worst seat in the place. <laughs> <laughs> but if we were playing the Philadelphia uh who are those guys? Phillies. Philadelphia yeah. Phillies. Yeah, I remember that series. And it was uh, epic. We had like sixteen on, inning games on, or something. Unbelievable. Yeah. And the worst seat in the house and the way I felt coming out of there, it says I, I'm gonna, 
uh, you know, I'm going to go to the arena whenever I can to watch a game because there's nothing like it. There's nothing, and at least, and it doesn't affect everybody that way. It's kind of like going to Broadway plays with some people. You go to the Broadway play, and they come out of there, and they want to go to every play the rest of the trip yeah. that you're there because they just had some experience while they were there. That's what happened to me when I come into the arena. I just love it. Yeah, I agree with that. And then particularly this month, for me, I always enjoyed my most favorite of all the things. My most favorite was going to Vegas and being there for the Mountain West slash WAC tournament. Even the women I enjoyed. I know you you had to watch your daughter played, but I enjoyed the women playing because everybody was diving. There was nothing left in the tank. Once you got in that one-and-done situation, and I can remember – walking up the tunnel in Thomas and Mac and there you were because you were there as a coach and you were there as a dad yeah and so you had to do both <laughs> roles and I can remember walking up because we would cover the women's games and I was I came out of the tunnel and there you are your daughter was in your arms yeah and they must have lost and yeah, they they won one, but they did lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you had to, be, and you were always sitting in front yeah. row. You'd see over there. Yeah. So you you were when you were in Vegas. I mean, you were you had no time to sleep because you were coaching and dadding, so to speak. <laughs> and I always enjoyed. I always thought it was so much fun. And now we're going to be down there. I'm leaving uh, this weekend. You're going ahead of time. Tell the people what you were doing. You mentioned it earlier, but you're going to be involved in some broadcasting. Yeah, I'm going to do color for the radio, Mountain West Conference Radio, tomorrow uh, for the three men's games. Um, And then on Thursday, uh, I've got the late game, Portland and Santa Clara uh, on uh, uh, the television game with Roxy Bernstein, uh, and then I got the winner of that game the next night against Pepperdine. So um, I'm, I'm excited to to kind of get into that and see how it feels, and uh, you know, hopefully make uh, some inroads and maybe get you know a few games next year. And then the year after that, pretty much uh, scoot over Jay Billis. <laughs> <laughs> I think those guys are safe. Yeah, I think they're safe. I think what I really like to do is call uh, Major League Baseball. I'd like to be the color guy for Major League Baseball. <laughs> okay, well, you can uh, tell some stories there. I might there. be a little bit optimistic. I played junior college baseball. I, you did. I played at Dixie. So, yeah. You know, maybe Didn't the, you, have, you had an opportunity? Was it the story you, you were considering maybe professional baseball? Yeah, yeah. I actually had some scouts call me um, after my freshman year at Dixie and I'd put my pa- my mission papers in and they asked me if if I was drafted in that June draft if I would go play single A or whatever and uh, I was scheduled to leave in July and so I, I told them it'd be a little bit tough um, and I had a, quite a few coaches tell me that I probably ought to defer my mission and see how this single A thing works. <laughs> but uh, well, I ended up going to Manchester, England for a couple of years, got to be a uh, Manchester United fan, and that's kind of carried me through for a while. And and then you came back. Came did back. you did you play ball when you came yeah, back? Yeah, came back, played at Dixie, and I was actually going to play at Houston after the NCAA tournament, but we played Villanova in Charlotte, and in that game, I hurt really hurt my knee and ended up having knee surgery and missed the whole next year. But that was the end of my baseball career. Oh, okay. And, and then I came back and played the following year, my senior year, and when we played for the national championship. Yeah, there you go. Well, you're off to Vegas now, and uh, we'll check you out. I'm going to uh, see your uh, radio work, and uh, maybe I'll see you down in Vegas. And thanks for coming in. All right, well, thanks for having me.